We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Mike is in transit to Phoenix, so he'll be joining us tomorrow. And the Lakers are on a three-game winning streak. They played the Detroit Pistons on Friday night, and after losing the rope a little bit in the first half, they clawed their way back and kind of bludgeoned the Pistons on the interior in the fourth quarter of that game, scoring on eight straight possessions. And then on Sunday, we kicked off Spurs week with the first blowout victory in a minute. And now, D, I see two things as being true right now. We played two of the worst teams in the NBA this weekend. But sometimes you got to beat the game on rookie sliders before you move on up. And that's what Lakers did this weekend. Anthony Davis had his third straight 30-15 and 15 game. And then it may have been the weekend that Austin Reeves realized that he's really good. We shall see. But lots of good things happening. Had Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder return as well. Talk to me about what you saw from a successful Lakers weekend. So AD to me is the theme. Um, you said it's Spurs week. It's it's AD week, mm. really. Mm-hmm. So Sunday to Sunday, right? He bludgeoned the Nets and just dominated them. He took it to Nick Claxton. He took it to Kevin Durant. He took it to whoever the Nets threw in front of him. Then that long rest, which I think was helpful for the team and helpful from just a mental and physical recovery standpoint. They go into Friday and... AD dominates Detroit as well. And after the Nets and the Pistons game, it was back-to-back games of 35 and 15. And Mm. then on Sunday against the Spurs, the Spurs in, we'll graciously call it, cautious injury management (laughs) for some of their better players. You were cracking me up. Tell them what you told me me on uh, the text thread about Popovich's (laughs) strategy. Well... It was just hilarious because they play the Clippers. The Clippers are a perimeter-oriented team. You would think you would need all of your perimeter talent available. And the Spurs rest, rest, sorry, Devin Vassell, who is San Antonio's one of the, I think, either their leading scorer or second second to Johnson, yeah. But one of their better up-and-coming and rising perimeter players and he sits out with injury management, it's a knee, an ankle, who knows? 
what magically better by Sunday. So yes, <laughs> yes, he, yes. <laughs> the management worked. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> right. And so go up against a perimeter team. You sit one of your best perimeter players, and then. On Sunday, you're facing Anthony Davis, and not just any Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has been running roughshod mm-hmm. over teams lately with extreme like physical play, and suddenly it's Jakob Pertl, who right. is just, one of the best that. interior defenders in the NBA. Look, they were the first. Pop was the first team. He came in shamelessly tanking in 97. I could I, I could have a whole pod ranting about, like, David Robinson was healthy by, like, February, and they were like, nah, it's fine. You know, they sit, and then they look into Duncan. But that's fine, because the Celtics had two top picks in that draft. They thought they were going to, they were yes. tanking for Duncan <laughs> with two high picks. They ended up getting Ron yeah. Mercer and Chauncey Billups, who they later traded. Anyhow, it, I, I digress. But yes, Popovich going out the way he came in. So, no Jakob Hurdle <laughs> and AD... Third consecutive game. So he scored 30 and credit to Darvin. And I think AD as well. He was just like, get me my 30. Because they're up by a ton going into to the fourth. And I'm like, why is AD in the right, game? Right. And then I'm just like, oh, Amen. I, I see why he's in the game. Yep. So he gets a lob from Austin, like two or three possessions into the quarter. And then suddenly timeouted. AD is subbed out. But third consecutive game of 30 points with at least 15 rebounds. That's the longest stretch in his career. Um, he's done it twice a few different times, including with the Lakers. And then Lakers media relations sent, sent out a bunch of like, just like first player since Wilt to do this, uh, first player since Shaq to do mm-hmm. that. And all this other stuff, highest scoring quarter of the season for him. He, he started out with an 18 point first quarter and just it's Anthony Davis time. And Pete, we've been talking some in the third, text thread as well about this but there is a calm demeanor and his leadership that i think that he's been showing in media availability as well post game and just a really balanced perspective that i think that he's been have having that when teamed with the level of play that he's been showing on the court it's this is the dude that i think we've all sort of been pining for in in one way Mm-hmm. or another so that's where i'd like to start yep. in terms of this conversation lebron's been out they've been needing that superstar to sort of raise their floor and their ceiling and ad has been that guy and so that's where i'd like to sort of check in with you at yeah first. we've been in uh, in that place where we've needed a superstar to lift us out and ad said you know what i'm that guy They're, one of the topics that uh we've talked about over the course of the last few months is the idea of building around LeBron versus building around Anthony Davis and what that means. And a lot of, I think, the decisions that we make are to support LeBron and rightfully so. And it's not like these two things are so far different that you can't have both at the same time. But Anthony Davis wrote on the whiteboard a couple of games ago, get AD the ball. And there's a mentality shift there that is that, that is followed up by his play. And yes, against small teams who are not very good, he's not going to be able to just be the eighth grader playing with fifth graders around the basket every game going forward. But just that mentality of I am going to dominate in every way that I can, even like his step back jumper. That's one of the things that I've seen him the last couple of years kind of defaulting to that. You throw the ball to AD 16, 17 feet away from the basket, kind of a stagnant possession. And then he defaults to that. Well, he hit a couple of those over the last couple of games 
like with the shot clock winding down where it was like, oh, that's the shot they needed to take. They're running two guys at him. And then he just hits this like filthy 20 foot step back after he's been kicking your ass in the paint the entire game. That's just like one of those like, oh, are you serious? This guy, he hits more shots. AD. That's that's one of the things that I've really loved about these last few games is watching him do those things that are that great reminder of the difference between him as that top 20, top 25 player and the player that's a legit top five dude in the NBA. And he's been that these last few games. And so there's going to be a challenge on how do you keep that up when LeBron comes back into the fold. But I think D that over these last few games, this week, 10 days, we have found more like the team has more calcified into what it's going to be. We had all these questions about identity and style and rotations and lineups and all of that. But really, it starts with your superstars being superstars and AD dominating in the way that he has just locks so many other things into place. Well, one of the things that you said that I'd like to build build on a little bit more, because I think it does um, help us pivot in in this conversation to some of the other guys who are playing well and how they're playing well and what they're doing. Um, but in supporting Anthony Davis, one of the things that has stood out over the course of, of AD's career, that he hasn't been a low assisted baskets guy. In fact, it's been the opposite, right? And so AD will get you 25 to 30 points a night, but half of his baskets might be assisted. Baskets, yeah, you got to pass him the is, ball. Yeah, like, which is different. Well, every big guy needs the ball passed to him, right? Even Embiid, like, there's few guys who are grab-and-go players. Jokic does this a lot, but he plays from the top of the key so, mm-hmm. so much that him bringing the ball up as a de facto point guard is more reasonable within the context of Denver's offense. And his touches and touch time might reflect that as well. But AD has always been such an elite finisher more so than even an elite shot creator, even though he has a lot of those shot creation abilities, right? And this is where I think that the the way that the guards have been playing has really, I think, been supportive of AD mm-hmm. in ways that I'd like to dive into a little bit more. And, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Darwin has spoken a lot about Lonnie Walker's play. And, and I wrote about him in the game preview for the Spurs because both Lonnie and Austin's last five five games have been really high caliber. Lonnie had like one like low point effort in there, but he's overall yeah. getting 17 points a game on 50, 40, 90 shooting. Reliably. Austin playing mm-hmm. 30 plus minutes every night and... and upping his scoring average and being more more aggressive both as a shooter but as a downhill player and it's that downhill element that i'd love to sort of lob in your direction a little bit a la how austin <laughs> lobbed yeah. it to, to ad a little bit because that synergy between downhill play from perimeter guys and ad as a finisher i think that that is one of the reasons why you're seeing the point totals for adb 35, 38, 30 points because he's getting offensive rebounds. He's getting dump off passes. And this is with Russ as well. Right. And and so what are you seeing from the guards and their supportive AD and then even just branch out to how they're playing as individual players for themselves a bit, too? 
So I'm so glad you brought up this point because this is one of the things that are starting to really come into form is what is our offense and how do we run it? And we're essentially a pick and roll offense, right? I've been saying that this is a dribble penetration offense, same type of thing, right? You're going to give the ball to a ball handler and they're going to attack off of the dribble. And that's going, that's going to be what starts the sequence. And that's one of the great strengths of this team is that if you think about how each player plays the pick and roll, they do it a little differently from each other. Like you're talking about how Lonnie and Austin go about operating on those. Lonnie and AD and those side pick and rolls with that little pocket pass or Lonnie's ability to get to the rim from there. He'd been great on that, right? But that's different than how Austin runs that same play. And that's different than how Russ runs that same play, which is different than how Dennis or LeBron, when he comes back, does that. And so it's not just that you have pick and roll players. It's you've got you got the whole set. You got the whole collection in terms of the way that guys go about doing it. And that's extremely difficult to guard. And one of the things that I'm seeing, D, is that guys are starting to understand where their shots come from, where their passing angles are coming from. There's just a certain familiarity with the roster that comes with repetition that is super important that it all starts with that ability to get downhill with that ball handler and then AD accompanying them. But also now it's Thomas Bryant and it's Wendy and Gabriel. You can do this for 48 minutes with this roster. Now, obviously, it's not going to be the same when it's TB, but TB's good, man. Like TB's a solid player. And Wenyon has really grown. He's really like added to his skill set. And so you've got this kind of we can spam the same thing the entire game. And all of a sudden you're getting so many reps at like only four or five different plays and actions, but you're getting so many reps at them that you start doing it faster and faster and more proficiently and more accurately just because you've gotten the practice doing that. But the real revelation for me has been Austin. That's been the guy where it's like, hey man, when LeBron comes back, I, I, I say this probably twice a week, there can't be any more of those one or two shot attempt nights where he's, you know, 22 minutes, two shot attempts, I want to read a net rating stat uh, to you. We referenced this last night a little bit in our text thread, but in the lineups where Austin and AD are on the floor, but LeBron and, and Russ are not, 70 minutes. So decent sample this, this early in the season, a 26.7 net rating with Austin and AD. But in the lineups where it's LeBron and AD on the floor, Austin is has been the worst of our regulars with a minus 16.9 net rating in 85 minutes. And now, as you said last night, D, LeBron's been bad in a lot of ways relative to his ability, of course, that, that can kind of skew this. It's his plus minus that is the flag for me, right? It's just like LeBron yeah. being this bad from a plus minus perspective. He, he may not be the anchor in lineups, mm-hmm. but... So many of those lineups have performed poorly that it's hard for me to extrapolate like what's true and what's not from those numbers. I I totally get that. But if I can make one extrapolation that I do think is true is that we talk about and we talk about this with Mike quite a bit, the idea of deferring to LeBron. I don't think anyone does that more than Austin Reeves. And that's when you get those sort of like, uh, you know, I'm only going to take a couple shots. His shooting, his spot up shooting's gotten way better as well. Like he's just improved as a player. And so when LeBron comes back, I think that he can't have that level of deference. Like, Austin, you're really good. Go attack the guy that's in front of you that can't guard you or run that ball, call for that ball screen and wave LeBron off to, you know, push to the weak side wing on on some possessions, right? And like take ownership of how good you are. And that's one of the things that I think is really 
One of the really important things about what has happened over this last week has been Austin's development and Austin's aggressiveness. And I'm super curious to see if he's able to keep that when LeBron comes back or if he continues to defer. Yeah, so am I. So am I. And there's a question, too, about like how the lineups get put together and all of this other stuff. Right. And so the Lakers started pretty small. In this last game, um, Troy Brown was basically their power forward. Mm-hmm. And so you've got, you know, Austin and Lonnie. Those are that's a good size backcourt, right? Like six five players, yep. like okay. Yep. And Lonnie's got some good good athleticism, but then it's Pat Bev. This is okay. And then it's oh well, there's Troy Brown. Troy Brown's got decent size, but he's more of a shooting, he's more of a two-three then he is like a pure three and definitely not mm-hmm. a three, four. Right. And then it's AD, right? And you can do that against certain teams. Certain teams aren't going to be able to pun punish you in San Antonio playing the lineups that they were played. It's one such team. But that said, I'll be interested to see what happens when LeBron comes back. One of the things that stood out to me as in the early parts of the season, particularly in LeBron minutes, and we've talked about this a fair amount, but he is relinquished ball handling duties to a larger extent than what I thought was going to happen, except for in the last two or three minutes of each half where he has mm-hmm. really commandeered possessions, right? And we'll see how that plays out when LeBron returns. Maybe he'll do less of that. Maybe he'll do more of that. This brings me to a point that I had noticed this weekend that I'm curious on your thoughts on. In the Detroit game, it was close enough to where we had that last five minutes type of action. And Russ was giving the ball to Lonnie. We were running things through Lonnie. Like that's something that that's the first time I've seen Russ on the floor and it not be him not defer to LeBron or like because there's been this sort of like trying to figure out how this works in the last five minutes, really more than any other stretch. That's been when it's been clunky. And it was super interesting to me that Russ is in the game. LeBron is not. But we're like Russ is coming up court. He's like. I'm going to give it to Lonnie in the backcourt because we know we're going to kill them with this side pick and roll type of action. And I don't know. I think that's a significant development because Russ is so helpful at so many other points of the game. But it's easy like, oh, Russ has got it going. He's got 12 assists tonight. Let's just give Russ the ball in the last five minutes down the stretch. And the Lakers have gone away from that. And Russ has seemed to be okay with that in a way where it's like, hey, if we can do this, there's something to build off of there. This is where some of the comments post game, I don't want to play armchair psychologist. I don't want to act like I know more than I do because I don't. I'm not in the meetings. No one's giving me insight or and making me privy to the private conversations that are had behind closed doors, whether it's in a group setting or whether it's a, in, a, in a one-on-one setting. So all I have are these post game comments, right? But when AD is talking about, well, one of the things that we're doing is we're taking the right shots in the right parts of the game, that Mm. we're basically valuing the ball in ways and that we are playing fourth quarter possessions like fourth quarter possessions should be played, then a part of that points to like, A, this is a part of the game where we're not going to be wild, where we're not going to play as fast, where we're not going to rush. And Lonnie has the more complete skill set between Russ and... Now, it's like... This is what this is playing more to individual player strengths. I wouldn't tell Lonnie like, hey, go shot create during these parts of the game where the other four players on the court are Wenyan Gabriel, Thomas Bryant, like and Kendrick Nunn. Right. And some of these lineups that Russ is carrying. And so 
the part of this where the puzzle pe- where you talk about a lot the puzzle pieces clicking in to place each guy has seemingly found at least in the last two or three games and this will change when lebron comes back and so maybe this is a good part to pivot to too but each guy is starting to understand and take ownership and commandeer the parts of the game that really matter to them and where they can do the work. And it just happened to be that at the end of some of these, these games, it has been because it was the same against Brooklyn, Pete Lonnie, Mm -hmm. Lonnie was a big part in helping to extend that lead with a D and push it from four or five back up to 13 at, and like, okay, well we're in control again. Because I I wasn't super nervous, but I was just like, oh, this game is mm-hmm. closer than I thought it might be mm-hmm. based off of how both teams had played. And so let's go to break here. And I think incorporating LeBron back should be something that we start to hit on because it does seem like he's getting closer. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Lakers play again tomorrow, Tuesday. They play against a banged up Suns team. We don't know who's going to be available yet or who's all going to play and who's not. We don't even know if LeBron is going to be back. But it's coming soon. And even Darvin's been getting asked about this. Every every postgame, like, how do you keep this going with these guys when LeBron comes back? And Darvin's, I think, said all of the right things. And LeBron's a great player. And LeBron's one of the smartest players ever. And a lot of that is just paying deference to LeBron as knowing what he's doing. But that same deference is the idea that you just brought up with Austin Reeves, right? Which is like, we're going to defer to you being the person who we all orbit around because you're LeBron James. And so how do you envision some of this working? And do you start with lineup stuff? Like, do you re-examine the starting lineup? Like, where does, where does it begin for you in terms of setting the dominoes in place? Yeah, this is an interesting question because like it comes down to do you want Austin to start or do you want uh Pat Bev to start? And what are you looking for? Now, on its surface, that seems like an easy answer, right? Austin's been playing very well and uh and is able to shot create in a way that Pat Bev is not. But Pat Bev has also been our primary, like you go get the best ball handler on the other team, whomever that is. So that on Friday night, it was, he was up against Bogdanovich for most of that game and held his own decently well, right? He's, he's not locking these guys up, but he's 
handling the job in a way that asking Austin to guard up a bit or asking Lonnie or whomever that res- Pat Bev's responsibility would fall on also changes the dynamic of the defense. That said, D, I'm a big believer in playing your best dudes the most minutes. That was something I know, I know it seems simple, but it's important. And I think that getting that chemistry with Austin and LeBron and AD, which has been bad so far, I think is important. And if it's a shot creator on the ball, we've talked about Dennis in this role as well, but, uh, the more natural, like he's already been starting the last few games type of thing would be to start Austin. Um, and the way I see LeBron working into that is when he wants to, LeBron can be that second side player that you always talk about, right? Like, and, and I want to be clear, like we're not moving LeBron off of the ball for some, per- like he's going to rightfully get a lot of these possessions and he will be the best shot creator, creator of all in aggregate uh, at over the course of the season. But I think it's really important to be an effective offense while being able to reduce LeBron's ask. And I think the way to do that is to start Austin. And so I'm super curious to see what's the decision that's made there because the Lakers are back up to eighth in defensive rating. And Pat Bev, for all of his poor shooting and our lamentations about that, has been a part of that. And he also knows how the how basketball sequences work in a way where even if he's not individually playing that well, he kind of greases the wheels for everyone else in a way that certainly helps. So the first thing for me, D, though, is the starting lineup. And it is where we go in that direction. So curious, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm going to start it with a question to just ask you. Because okay. I just thought of it right now while you were talking. What do you think about instead of replacing Pat Bev with Austin, which I think is like the default place, mm-hmm. is that you replace Troy Brown with Austin. Yeah. And we've all, I think, appreciated and enjoyed the Troy Brown experience, right? Like he's just been one of those solid dudes. His name doesn't come up a lot. And I think that that's kind of good when you're a role yep. player. Like if we're not saying your name a lot, it means that maybe you're not shining, but it also means you're not struggling, right? Because Lord, I will tell you this, Damian Jones's name was coming up a lot when he was playing mm. and it wasn't in Kendrick the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And yep. so if, if we're saying your name too many times mm-hmm. and you're a role role player, it either means you're, you're Robert Ory and Rick Fox, or it means that you're, not mm-hmm. right it's and so <laughs> so what do you think about that idea like because austin and brown offer a lot of the same qualities except austin is the more aggressive version of austin is a better player than troy brown but troy brown offers size and he can guard small forwards and there's a lot that goes there but that same thing that you're asking brown to do in certain instances you could ask Pat Bev to do some of that stuff. Like, hey, you go guard the small forward, right? Like, mm-hmm. you guard up. And now that may put a bigger burden on LeBron defensively if, say, the power forward is the guy that is, like, a real power forward type, right? Like, you're playing Minnesota. You can't put Pat Bev on Towns. And they, like, and they put, they put Troy Brown on Towns, a little mm-hmm. bit to sort of be like, hey, like you go guard, guard him, right? That's not the thing that you're going to be able to do. So there is going to be a bit of an ask on LeBron at certain times with that. But what do you think of that idea just to start this this conversation a little bit? So I, I'd be against it just because 
to me, if you're going to start AD at the five, you need to start two forwards next to him. We were talking, you were cracking up last night about a two big lineup that we had out there with three guards. And I'm like, that's how you're supposed to do it. If you're going to run three guards, you have to make up for that in other places. And I just think that the defensive ask overall is more on AD and LeBron in a way where it's like you got you know fewer bodies on the boards. That's one of the things I really like about Troy Brown is just he's helpful on the defensive glass in ways He'd that- He'd be stealing we, them for people. I'm just like, hey, hey look at Troy Brown. like, <laughs> I'm getting my rebounds. Anyway, right? Good for him. Good for him. Yep. We, we didn't have enough of that last year, you know? And so like, and then on the offensive end, he's, I think our, <laughs> our purest shooter amongst the like role sure. guys in that he can get a shot up quickly. It's not just the percentage that he shoots, but he can shoot a variety of shots and does them in, and does it in rhythm. He doesn't need that extra little bit of being open that say a guy like Dennis Schroeder, for example, with kind of a slow load jumper, TB can let it fly. And I think when you've got bigger guys in particular, that that's an important counter to that. So I, I get where you're coming from on that, but I think it makes us too small defensively and shooting is an attribute that works really well. Although Austin would certainly bring that too. Yeah. And so it's just an interesting start, start off point because I, I'm just wondering what's going to work and what's not. And supporting LeBron and AD is this is where it comes back to where you're like, hey, well, you know, you're starting to put too much of an ask on these guys defensively. And that's that support of those guys that you're talk, talking about. Right. And I don't know what to do with the Austin thing, basically, like because I want Pat Bev's defense. I think his defense is valuable. And I think just. Mm-hmm. that that starting pitcher style guy who's gonna like start 20 games and throw 100 innings and, and just sort of be that guy where he's maybe your fifth starter but that mm-hmm. fifth starter has value as for sure at, like within the road rotation and him just basically being the guy who's gonna take the lumps and put his nose in there and like like oh if i play 20 minutes and i foul five times it's just like that's fine for mm-hmm. this guy because and his competitive spirit and drive has value there but if lebron is going to work off the ball as much as he's going to work work off the ball like i want and lonnie's going to play the role that lonnie does which is not he's going to start possessions in the corner that's what lonnie walker does then who's the other guy that's going to handle the ball and that's where i want austin to be that guy more than Pat Bev. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's what, those are the ideas that are bumping up against me. And framing that within the context of LeBron is then an interesting question. Also in simpler terms, I think Austin's one of our best players and I want him playing 30 plus minutes a night. And it's harder to do that when you're coming off of the bench. But I do think that if his legs can take it, he's a 30 minute a game dude. And we should be building lineups kind of around that like he can really play and so that's just tougher to do when you come off the bench yeah and so there's just a lot of questions here that i don't have the answers to and i'll be interested to see what direction darvin ham goes in these are the pieces of the puzzle that remain we're a better team than we were a month ago d like by a decent amount and but we still have a lot of work ahead of us so like what do you see as like what's next for this team well, I think what's next is some of the stuff that Darvin has said post game, and it's what you alluded to earlier, which is the togetherness and the learning of each other and how that familiarity shows itself in game situations and how valuable it can be. Um, 
So I think that that learning curve is going to continue to happen. And I think integrating LeBron in into that is the next piece of the puzzle, right? One of the things I'm excited and intrigued about is the combination that we've been seeing in bench groups with mm-hmm. Russ and Thomas Bryant and Wenyon Gabriel. So we've talked a lot about Wenyon, and so I I don't want to ignore him here, but I do want to talk more about TB because he's gotten his first run of the season these last couple of games, and we haven't really had the chance to talk a lot about what he's shown, right? Because these weekend games, I thought he played really well, and... I don't know if he's going to be this good every game, but he had 15 points this last game. He didn't miss a shot. He's been running the floor great, and he's been fine defensively. Not great, but fine. His partnership with Wenyon has been great, but his partnership with Russ has been even better. And so what have you been seeing from TB? And in bringing LeBron back into this a little bit, how do you see that working as like another big body that LeBron has typically liked playing? with mm-hmm. one of these sort of dudes. So TB, I'm so excited to see him back in the lineup. Um, he does so much of what we need and just kind of like fills in a spot. He's a big dude. And against two smaller teams, I think that's exactly the type of team that he should eat against. This is a Lakers team in particular where when we play bad teams, we should have a great record against bad teams this season. Like one of the things that's happened over the last 10, 12 games or so is our three-point attempts have gone way down. We're the the, we're taking the fewest in the NBA over that stretch. And it's because we're starting to settle into this like, oh, we could just kick your ass around the basket. And <laughs> yeah. if you look at the team, that makes sense. Like, where would the Lakers be best? I'm not saying we're a great team or anything like that, but that makes sense that we're not a 43-a-game team, right? Well, shooting 30% or sub hey. also probably tells you, hey, maybe like cut out the carbs <laughs> from your diet a little bit. So I think that they've been removing the right things from their offense and not removing them entirely because they have to shoot and hit these shots, but Mm. making them a more appropriate part of, of their offensive structure, I think has been meaningful. And they've been milking the things that have been bringing them the goods. Very much so. But to do that, you have to be, you have to have a variety of different guys who are presence around the rim. Now, we've talked a lot about our guards' ability to get downhill, but also a big's ability to get downhill. Like TB's, uh, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have a pod, I think, uh, on, on these guys, but the ability to run the floor, the ability to, uh, seal in the post after the other team switches and punish teams on the offensive glass. These are all things that, like our bigs this year are so much better than they were last season. And just our four or five rotation is so much better that it really opens up the type of team that I think we could be, but which is a fast, but physical team. And we're getting there, right? We're, we're making progress on that front. So we'll come back tomorrow. I, I, I got a lot of thoughts on TB and Wenyan and just the getting bigger and the chain reaction that I think that that has on this team. And we'll be back tomorrow with Full House to talk about that. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good.
Okay. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around something. for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.